We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Want to invite you to find and follow Offsides with Mark Ryan on Spotify. That's where you get your podcasts from. Find us and give us a follow. That way you get all of our podcasts, the bite-sized bits, the full-hour podcasts, Whatever you like, you can find it right there on Spotify, also on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are rejoined for a few more minutes with Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. Chris, it's funny, Mark Ryan and I, we've we've worked together so long now that our brains kind of go in the same direction at the same time, which is a scary thing. You know, I don't even know that I'm this simpatico with my wife at this point. But but he he was uh, alluding to asking questions about the future, the next couple of games on the South Carolina schedule, and and I wanted to ask you, what can you tell us about Shane Beamer's ability, his track record thus far, at being able to turn emotional games like that, emotional losses or or wins like that, around? And how will you how do you believe that this is going to affect? next week's game versus Missouri. Do you think this game will beat South Carolina twice based on Shane Beamer's track record, or do you think he'll find a way to use the frustration to take it out on Missouri next week? Yeah, Diesel, it's a great question, and I certainly think there's no time for South Carolina to sit around and and feel bad for themselves when you have at Mizzou and at Texas A&M upcoming your next two games. Obviously, Missouri, we know the the, the history of the series, Mizzou has beat you four in a row. Eli Drinkwitz has beat you four in a row as a head coach, dating back to when he was the head coach at Appalachian State, by the way, in 2019. Don't remind me that that turncoat yeah. left us after one year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he, he did it with the Mountaineers against Will Muschamp's Gamecocks back then. And um, So South Carolina's got a tall task. So they, they can't be thinking about that Florida game. And I, I don't think they will, Diesel. You know, I, I expect South Carolina – to bounce back you know the, the, the great saying is it's always darkest before the dawn and so it's really easy after a loss to say that South Carolina's washed they won't win another game they're hopeless they're abysmal and you know it's kind of funny how college football just doesn't work out that way right you got to play the rest of them South Carolina's got six more to go and so it will not surprise me if the Gamecocks do bounce back and I think with the culture in the building you know they've shown over the years that you know you look just back diesel to last year's Florida game uh, South Carolina loses that one 38 to 6 and just seven days later, they do the unthinkable and beat Tennessee, and then a week later beat Clemson back-to-back top ten wins. So I don't know that that type of turnaround is necessarily in the cards for this season or these last six games. I think the Gamecocks get into 6-6 six and six at this point would be a massive success. And obviously, if you can beat the arch rival, you know, in kind of a down season, that's a great way to uh, – you know, it's sort of bittersweet, but to put a sweet twist on it at the end, if you can go out there and beat your arch rival and get that win and make it back-to-back wins over Clemson, uh, getting them on your home field this year. But I, I think the Gamecocks, Diesel, they've shown over the first two years the Shane Beamer era. They're resilient. They're a tough group, and I expect nothing less, and I think they will bounce back. Now, will they win the football game? We'll talk about that more later in the week because I think Missouri is a real threat in the SEC, and I think they're a legitimate team in the SEC East this year. So it's going to be a really tall task for South Carolina, and then, of course, you got to go to College Station uh, at Kyle Field, a place you've never won before. So, But all in all, even if Carolina goes down in losing efforts, I, I do think they'll bounce back in a big way and be ready to go in Como, and they won't let that Florida game linger. 
Chris Phillips joining us here on Offsides, the uh, the fan upstate. So, Chris, you consider the over-under win total for South Carolina of six and a half, and you and I both predicted the over. How has this team gone from, like, a national darling at the end of last season, right? Uh, finished last season in the top 25. I heard Gamecock fans say, man, is, is this year 9-3 and three or 10-2? and two Or what is, what is this year going to be? Like, what's been the biggest reason that they find themselves 2-4 and four right now? Well, Mark, I think the scary thing is that you could argue it's a different thing every week. You know, early in the season, it's, it's offensive line play was absolutely abysmal, right? You couldn't protect Spencer Rattler. You couldn't run the football. Uh, now you've sort of got that going, right? Offense certainly isn't the reason you lost to Florida, but now – you just can't stop anybody, right? Tennessee, you can't stop the run. Florida, you can't stop the pass. We've seen the secondary be paper thin multiple times this season against Mississippi State and the Gators most notably. So, you know, it just feels like, Mark, if it's not one thing, it's another. And unfortunately, as you know as well as I do, good teams find ways to win football games and bad teams find ways to lose them on a week-in, week-out basis. And I just think South Carolina, Mark, right now, is a bad football team. They're just finding ways to lose games. But, you know, this isn't totally shocking, Mark. I- I'm surprised South Carolina lost to Florida. But, I mean, I had them 3-3 three and three right now, and they're only one game off the pace of what I had them pick to this point. So, you know, I think it just goes back more to the offseason. This team had real deficiencies and real issues when it comes to roster turnover, what the transfer portal did to them. And nobody, Mark, wanted to hear that. Nobody wanted to hear me out on that or hear anybody else out that, hey, you know, maybe there's going to be a problem area here or there. All everyone wanted to talk about was, but what about Tennessee? What about Clemson? Trust in Shane Beamer. And that was all fine and dandy and everything, but you're seeing this roster has significant holes across the board, right? They can't generate a pass rush. They can't stop anybody in the secondary. They are abysmal tackling, right? The fundamentals, again, year one things in year three. And then offensively, I mean, the, the, the most positive thing you can say right now, Mark, is going to the last six games of the season – you still have Spencer Rattler, right? QB1 is still playing at an elite level, and he's going to give you a chance each and every single week. But, I mean, that is a very razor-thin margin, Mark, to operate on when you have to count on your quarterback basically being perfect every single week. I mean, I looked up at one point, Mark, and I think he hadn't thrown an incompletion, and South Carolina was trailing. And you're just like, what more can he do? Right? No, he's it, been, it he's really been incredible. Feel- and he didn't sign up right. to have nothing. He didn't have sign, sign yep. up to have no support. And that's what he is. Yep. And if, I think if South Carolina is able to keep the ship afloat the rest of the year, Spencer Rattler will be the reason why. So let's close today, Chris, with this. Let's do rapid fire style, me, you, and Diesel. Okay? Me, you, and Diesel, rapid fire style. I'm going to give you the game that remains, okay, one by one. Mm-hmm. And I just want a number from you, scale of 1 to 10 likelihood that the Gamecocks win it. Okay? Five means you really have no idea. One means you got no shot. Ten means you got no shot to lose. Are you ready? Uh, At Missouri, Chris, what's your number? Four. Two. Three. Uh, At Texas A&M. Five. Two. Three. Uh, Jacksonville State at home. Nine. Nine. (laughs) Nine. Vanderbilt at home. Eight. Seven. Seven. Uh, Kentucky at home. Five. Right now, five. Three. Four. Clemson at home. Four. Four. Six. Ooh, (laughs) Diesel's not feeling. Listen, it got really interesting there at the end, didn't it? 
Okay, four, four, and six to beat Clemson. If fifteen was the total midway park, we the four, the three of us just gave you a fourteen. We're almost at the midway point. I think it's a winnable game for South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, winnable doesn't mean they win it. I gave it a four, but it's not unwinnable, right? I mean, from what you've seen, looks pretty winnable think, yeah, to me. I just, you know, I I felt kind of, you know, I, I hated to take kind of the, the the coward's way out in a couple of those and be so close to five. But I just think, guys, with South Carolina, you just you have no idea. I mean, they're just so inconsistent. And again, when you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And also, some of these teams they're playing like. What is Texas A&M? What is Kentucky, really? What is Clemson, right? And if those games, especially in the last four, are at home and at night, how much does that, you know, affect? I mean, if you can tell me the kickoff time for the Clemson game right now, I can probably tell you which way that's going to go. Well, like, especially of a difference. especially I mean, if they got a guy playing with the lights when the other team has the ball, you know? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> at night, it'd be even more noticeable. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, that's Chris, right. the answer to the question, what is Clemson, is exactly why I gave South Carolina a six chance yeah. to win that football game. We just don't. No, they looked awful yeah. against Wake Forest. They did. They most certainly did. Yeah. Chris, good catching up with you, man. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your class. Uh, and I appreciate you paying up on the bet. I did. I also paid up on the bet today. Chris, I'm also wearing a Florida hat. So uh, we, 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 we worked out. It worked, it worked out well, man. So uh, good game. That was a hell of a football game. We didn't see two super supremely talented teams. We saw the battle of mid as we expected to see. Uh, and I'm, I'm very grateful uh, that uh, my team came out in the better half of that. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, pal. Mark and Diesel, appreciate you guys. Mark, again, congratulations on the win, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right, take care. Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show joining us here on Offsides. Time for us to do that jam. We call it the top five at five, the top five biggest sports stories of the day, the top five topics we're discussing. Ladies and gentlemen of the Upstate's Offsiders, the top five at five starts right now. And now, the top five at five. And five, four, three, two, one. Hit it. Five. At number five. It started so well yesterday, didn't it? 14-0 Carolina Panthers. You know, you probably had in your head when Chris Berman used to say, that's why they play the games. And then, well, that's why they play the rest of the game, right? Miami outscored Carolina 28 to nothing after Carolina was up 14 to nothing to start. It got off very, very well for the Carolina Panthers uh, with Chuba Hubbard here in uh, quarter number one, getting things off and running. Hubbard. Good block in there. Cade Mays, he's got the touchdown with a flag throw. Guys, you know what? I don't even know what to hope for with the uh, Carolina Panthers anymore. And I'm not saying I'm coming from a place of hopelessness. You know, I do have hopes that Bryce Young can be something. But you're not hoping for a draft pick. You don't have a draft pick, right? Um, you're not hoping for a receiver because you don't have the capital to give a receiver up. You know? So the reason why we were so against Carolina giving up everything they gave up to go up and get Bryce Young is because we thought it would leave him like this. You know, up Bleep Creek without a paddle. And that's exactly where they've been. This is not a quick turnaround. This is an NFL team that is just not competitive. Well, ultimately, Bryce Young didn't really play any better in this game than he has in the past. One touchdown pass. One touchdown pass, and that's it. 
He fumbled the ball early. Now, it was recovered because he was hit from behind. I was listening. I didn't actually see the play. Okay. Uh, I was listening on the radio on the way home. But Bryce Young did what he's done all season and nothing more. Uh, guys, it's you know it's tough to find the take right now on the Carolina Panthers. You know, it's like it's like let's just hibernate, wake up in a year, and see if anything has gotten better. Well, you I know? pulled a stat, Mark, uh, and I meant to share this with you off the air, but I pulled a stat go, going into the Carolina kickoff show. I wanted to look back five years and see when the teams when a team bottomed out, where were they three years into the future? Where were they three years later? And on average. The win total increased five by 5.9 wins. So in theory, okay. in 2026, Carolina should have minimum 5.9 wins. But here's what's really, really interesting about this, Mark. Yeah. In 13 data points, because I went back, I had to go back eight years to look forward uh, to, to this year. Yeah. Being, you know. Sure. Uh, so in 13, with 13 data points, 62% of the time, three years after a team bottomed out, they had a winning record. 62% of the time. Wow. And That's actually it was really good. 68% of the time, if you included, there was a team in there off the top of my head. I can't remember who it was. I think it was the Jets. They had an 8-8 eight eight record. It went 500. So if you include a 500 record as a non-losing season, you got a 68-69% chance of at least breaking even three years from now. What? Put some sunshine on our rainy day now, didn't right? it? Right? So, Diesel, that, that makes you say, okay, so if we're going to have six more wins three years from now, Hope for as many as you can get this year. If you yeah. get three wins this year, then three years from now, you'll be a playoff team. Well, the only downside of that, is obviously, is that Carolina doesn't have a first-round pick next year. So assuming uh, trades don't happen to get them back into the first round, you may delay that by an additional year because you don't have the ability to go get help in the draft next year immediately. Also, you have to factor in, do you trust your GM to go out and make quality trades and do really, really well in rounds two, three, and four? That's and really, the answer is not really. It's a really good topic, Diesel. That's really good research, and I love topics like that. Uh, like you said to Chris, can you please have our brain stop working like that? Stop thinking of the same stuff. I hate it. Uh, next up. Four. All right. Uh, a lot of people want to know, Mark, 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 you've been very high on Coach Prime. What do you have to say about the Buffaloes, considering that this is how their game ended on Friday night? Sanders going to pass it. Can't find anyone. On the move. Finally gets rid of it. Picked off in the end zone. Intercepted by Gilman. With a strong second half for the win. The Cardinals storm into Boulder and run back to the farm in Palo Alto with the dub. So uh, here's what I think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Colorado had a 99.8% chance to win when they were up 29 to nothing. 99.8%. And I would say because I'm only capable of seeing things in the big picture, right, that if this happened last year to Colorado, it's a footnote. This happens this year to Colorado. We're all waking up to front page news about it. You know, I had two tweets back to back in my timeline Saturday night into Sunday. And so when I woke up and I turned on Twitter Saturday morning, these were the first two tweets I saw. I saw, man, Stanford has really become a dumpster fire. And then the next tweet above it said, oh, my God, Stanford won. Imagine how confused I was because I was actually watching it when it was 29-0 Colorado and turned the game off. Um, Colorado doesn't have the roster 
They don't have the talent. I'm bummed for Coach Prime because that could be the game that keeps him out of the, out of bowl eligibility. Speaking of all the media attention, I mean, they were getting spoofed. Deion Sanders was getting spoofed on Saturday Night Live just Man. hours after that game, and they mentioned the Stanford loss in oh, the in the sketch. Wow. So they were watching it live, going back and adding that into the sketch. Absolutely brutal. Next up. Three. How about Oregon and Washington? You know, I picked Washington in large part because they were playing at home. I really respected the fact that Dan Lanning owned up to making some dumb decisions in that game. You know, right before halftime, they had the ball in the Washington three. There was like two seconds left. Kick the field goal. He went for it. They didn't get it. They lose by three. Okay? And that was one of a few dumb fourth quarter decisions, fourth down decisions that Dan Lanning made in the game. The difference between Dan Lanning and and Shane Beamer is Lanning immediately owns up to it. And here's what it sounded like in Seattle. Missed it! And the Huskies survive! Lewis is consoled, and the field is stormed, and Washington has won it. Are you going to rip Washington Husky fans for storming their own yeah, field? Yeah, it's lame, Diesel. It's lame. <laughs> it, you know, it's becoming a thing where fans are are willing and happy to rush their own field just for a big win at home. It doesn't necessarily have to be a major upset. It, it's just happening. It's happening everywhere. I don't know, man. You know how I feel about that. Like, I'm I'm grumpy old man. Get off my lawn, guy. I get it. Guilty as charged. That's me. Uh, next up. Two. At number two today, how about Flickergate? Oh, yes, we have started a controversy here on Offsides, my friends. You see, when the Gators were down to their last possession uh, and in key moments of the series, the lights started flickering against the Gators, the lights of williams Price Stadium. Uh, if you want to see this, all you need to do is go to my Twitter page, at Mark Ryan on air. That's at M-A-R-C Ryan on air. And when you see the timing of when the lights flicker, you might be convinced, like I am, that there's no way there wasn't something sinister involved there. It's 4th and 11. Gators take the snap. Graham Mertz drops back to pass Cox's arm. Lights flicker off. Then the lights flicker back on. Now the ball's in the air. The receiver's going to catch it. Lights flicker off again. And it's just like, what? Yeah, it's just a dip in the lights. Just a little dip in the brightness at that exact moment. Right, like we have this little dimmer on our lights in here. It's like you pull, you put it down, put it up again real fast. Let me see what I can do to create. And it's just, all I'm saying is, folks, do I know that something sinister happened? No. Does it look sinister? Yes, it does. What I would need to do, Mark, and I have the ability to ask this question of a high-end cameraman for high-end college football. Just so happens to be that my cousin who lives in, in uh, New Orleans travels with ABC as the 50-yard line camera for ABC broadcast games. Uh, For example, last time I saw him, he was running the 30-yard line camera at the Notre Dame-Clemson game for ABC. So what I need to ask him is, and and I need more context as as exactly what was going on at that time. Chris made made the, um, the, the note there that it could have been the cameraman changing his uh, his exposure on his camera. You know, maybe it was getting to the point where they had just gone through dusk and the 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 filter, for example, the, the filter he had on his camera 
Prior to that, wasn't working anymore because it had gotten too dark, so he needed to flip to a different filter. The answer, the reason I say that is it's just a really odd time for a professional cameraman to change the filter on his camera at that exact moment. Yeah. That exact moment. I'm pretty sure these guys don't do that. Yeah. Number one, the cameraman doesn't actually control that. It's somebody in the booth. If they even have the ability to change that on these, these are these old school, like massive, the size of a, uh, the size of a Canon cameras. They're huge cameras, right? They're not cell phone cameras where you can just change the filter on them. I don't know if the cameraman even has the ability to do that, to adjust his camera, or if that has to be done in the network studio. But I'm, I, I'm, I would be shocked if you told me that they were doing that live in the middle of a play late in the game. Yeah, like it was just, it's just weird. And so for me, folks, I don't have any proof. I see what I see, and you guys can be your own judge. But for me, the Gamecock football program has lost the benefit of the doubt. And finally, one Gators, Gamecocks. You know, there's so much to unwrap, unwrap here. But for me, folks, you know, over the last uh, 12 months, this game was personal. You know, a year ago, Florida beat South Carolina. The bottom 10% of Gamecock fans came after my wife, okay? Came after my wife. I've always been who I am. That's never happened. Never happened to me in 18 years in this business, all right? Um, Then the coach of the Gamecocks decides to try to get me fired in January when the information I had about him reaching out to Garrett Riley was 100% accurate coming from inside their football building. So you see, when you do that to me, that very, very much is personal, okay? And I am going to delight in that in that coaches and that, that portion of the fan base's misery, okay? So if you are a kind Gamecock fan, I do apologize that you're caught in the crossfire today. To me, I put the personal to bed after the show today. Tomorrow we'll be back to a normal show. But yes, I'm very much filled with piss and vinegar today because of what I've been through. All right? Now, the Gamecocks. Um, the coach that the Gamecocks wanted, Billy Napier, is now 2-0 against the coach that they got, Shane Beamer. That is now, we're now 2-0, Billy Napier is. How do I know they wanted him? Because they interviewed him twice, okay? And Billy Napier, there's articles out about Billy Napier talking about the Power 5 job that he turned down. He said he didn't believe they had the infrastructure to win at the highest level, okay? So the coach South Carolina wanted, Billy Napier, is now 2-0 against the coach South Carolina got. From the depths of the Earth's core, the Gamecocks find themselves 2-4. A bit of a bore, searching for more, the mirror reveals there's not much to adore. I wrote that little ditty for you on uh, on Friday on Friday as well. Um, I thought it was a great win for the Gators. Grit, heart, and determination that we thought was missing from this team. But now with a they had a one and seven road record. This game was character building. If Florida can somehow win two more games this year, they'll improve on last season's record. And I thought this game was really season shifting for both Florida and South Carolina. The winner is poised to make something of its season. The loser is facing a possible tailspin. So it's going to be interesting to see how that that goes. And I never thought we'd reach a point where the Beamer-Muschamp comparison would be an insult to Muschamp. But here we are. 
Beamer is now 17-15 and 15 at South Carolina. With back-to-back road games at Missouri and A&M, they lose both of those. Beamer is 500 through year three. When, my friends, when do results matter? When is Beamer going to accept accountability and not place all the blame on his players? I admire Spencer Rattler and his enthusiasm for his team. He didn't sign up to have nothing around him, but he's been a leader in Columbia. Playing behind that offensive line is, well, offensive. But you never see that in his body language. If South Carolina stays afloat, Spencer Rattler is the reason why. And those are today's top five at five. Now it's your chance to chime in, which you can do at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844-F-A-N-F-O-N-E. That's 844-326-3663. The MadWorldAttractions.com text line is there for you at 71307. Just start your text with the word FAN and away you go. You can get to us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube at the Fan Upstate on each one. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube. We'd love to have you. We're not trying to get rid of Gamecock fans here. We're just, we just want you to know that on this show, you get praised, you get spanked when you deserve each one. And finally, email. You guys can all email the show. Mark Ryan, that is M-A-R-C Ryan at thefanupstate.com. All the different ways you can get in touch with us here on the most interactive sports radio show anywhere. Cole Bryson joining us next here on Offsides. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate. Great to have you guys with us. On a Monday edition of the show. Truly do appreciate you. Okay, Cole, so sorry that uh, we are late getting to you today, man. Uh, it has been an absolute crazy day. Uh, Cole, the Burns-Dorman game was not supposed to be the game of the week. It became the game of the week. How? All we've heard all year long is how Dorman is down and Burns is back and you know, it, it sure looked like a game between two evenly matched teams on Friday night. It really did, Mark. And uh, you know what? The funny part about that is the reason that it ended up being a good game is because on your segment on Friday, I said normally this is a huge game that draws attention from the whole state. And uh, I just didn't think it was going to be that way. I thought Burns would win uh, pretty handily. So I guess I jinxed it. Uh, it turned out, like you said, to be one of the best games of the night. Norman had a chance to win it late. Uh, they missed a PAT that caused them to have to go for two on the next possession, which they didn't get. Their defense was incredible. Their special teams was exceptional. Burns, uh, man, they, I don't know where that horseshoe is right now in Burns, but 3-0 in region play, and all three region games have come down to the wire with the other, chance having a, with the other team having a chance to win the game. Uh, but Burns has pulled out all three, and, and you may call it luck, but you know what, Mark? We give credit to other schools at other levels 
uh, we always say that great teams find a way uh, to win. And Burns has found a way to win three weeks in a row, and that is that's mighty, mighty impressive for the Rebels to be three and zero in recent play. Now looking, uh, you know, to buy upcoming, but tough loss for Dorman, obviously. But man, it, that is a huge. I, I'm not about moral victories at all, Mark. But from the the season they've had, that's a that's a great performance by those guys. I know it's just heartbreaking for them not to be able to pull it out on Friday night. Cole Bryson joining us, host of the Saturday Scramble here on Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, the fan upstate. Um, elsewhere, you know, you, I, I'm looking, Cole, we're always going to do our top ten here, and I'm looking forward to hearing what, what changes have taken place. Um, but elsewhere, Gaffney had a relatively tight one with Boiling Springs. Uh, if, this, if this was a baseball game, it would be a pitcher's duel. How did Boiling Springs hold Gaffney in check the way they did? Well, Bowling Springs, Mark, this was the first time that I have seen them, and obviously we've talked about them a lot on the show. Uh, Alex Guest and I uh, talk about them, and by the way, Alex has done an incredible job this year uh, on the program with me, uh, and I know I do the promos, but Alex has done a great job as well. Uh, we, we talk about Bowling Springs this season and how improved they are, Mark, and uh, this was the first time that I have seen them with my eyes. And, and I tell you what, man, just – Pre-game, I told somebody that it, the Bowling Springs mentality uh, and the culture is already in a much better place. Uh, you can tell by the players, the, the, the confidence that oozes from the coaching staff. Uh, they're, they're a much different Bowling Springs team than uh, what we saw a couple of years ago. And on the field, they're gritty. Uh, their defense is really good. They have a lot of athletes. I think Gaffney won that game in the trenches. Uh, you know, Bowling Springs – they do have athletes. When you look at them on the field, they've got guys that are really talented. But I think that, that they are a couple of guys on the offensive and defensive line away from being uh, able to get over the hump, Mark. Because, you know, what we have to remember is everybody wants to see the flashy players. Like in the region, you had the Bomars, the Weavers, the McDowells at Gaffney, the Little John. But what we have to remember is these games are won in the trenches, especially when you get into region play. And, Gaffney really dominated on the defensive line uh, Friday night. Bowling Springs offensive line had no answer for the Gaffney pass rush. Lincoln Husky, the quarterback for Bowling Springs, who, by the way, <laughs> is freaking phenomenal. Uh, those two words paired together, I mean, that, that, that is how you describe him. He, he's, uh, he's able to create a lot of uh, uh, extend plays, if you will, create something out of nothing uh, type quarterback mark where he can, man, he can use his legs to his advantage. And uh, they were pesky Friday night for the Bulldogs. They, they, you know, they hung around, and uh, that's what they've done all region long, all, all season long, really, even against a team like Hannah, who we'll talk about in a minute. you got to remember, Hannah's now beaten Hillcrest, Mark, but Bowling Springs was two plays away at the end of the game, was less than a minute ago, away from beating Hannah. So they're almost there. Uh, their coach, Matt Real, said after the game how, how disappointed he was that the team – uh, can't see the fruits of the labor, right? The coaching staff knows how much better they are, but he, he just wants region win. And Bowling Springs, speaking of region, they still have one region game left against Spartanburg on Friday night. Cole Bryson joining us here on the show. Uh, you know, Cole, I, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm I'm looking at your top ten, and I w- would love for you to get to that uh, with our audience here. And yeah. I, I'm struck by the fact that there's that there again is no change at the top. 
And I'm, I, I want to let you get to this, but at the, at the same time, I'm wondering, is this just becoming clear now that the upstate has a team that is head and shoulders above the rest? Cole, without further ado, your upstate top ten. Yeah, Mark, and you're talking about Daniel, and, and you know what, man? They, they, are, you know, when you win two state championships in the last four years, I believe you can probably say that you're head and shoulders above everybody else. That's pretty, that's uh, pretty impressive what Daniel's done over the last few years. But the thing is, Mark, they haven't lost. <laughs> and in my poll, when you lose, you drop. Uh, Daniel has yet to lose, so they have yet to drop. Chapman has only dropped one, um, and that was to a 5A school. They have yet to drop. So uh, we'll start at the very top. I have the Daniel Lions still at number one, Mark. They've been exceptional all season. They're well coached. They have one of the best coaches in the area, um, and, and they're super talented. And, and you know what? They're, until they lose, like I said, they're, they're going to stay right there at the top. And in 3A, when the playoffs get here, those Daniel Lions, um, 3A is, is loaded this year, as I think it's been in probably a decade or more. Um, but Daniel, again, you got to go through Daniel, and everybody knows that. And the 3A playoffs are going to be fun to see if anybody can knock off Daniel. Uh, speaking of 3A, Mark, I have Chapman at two. They moved up one spot because of Hillcrest moving down. We'll get to Hillcrest in a second. But I have Chapman at two. All they continue to do is win. That's all they do this year. Like I said, they, they lost to Bowling Springs early in the season, a 5A school. It was the week after beating Burns. I kind of thought that might happen, uh, kind of a letdown game, if you will, after after that huge win over Burns. But Chapman's rolling, so I have them at two. I have the Burns Rebels at three. They are also moving up one spot in this week's poll. They have continued seven straight wins now for those guys. Their only loss is to Chapman. Uh, so, you know what, those top three, Daniel Chapman and Burns, they have a little bit of common uh, opponents, if you will. At number four, I have Gaffney. Uh, those guys moved up from seven in the poll to four. Gaffney's defense Friday night looked like a state championship caliber defense. We've talked about their offense all season with Riley Staten and Jaden McDowell, but Friday night that defense looked as good as it had all season long. It was 17 to zero with just a couple of minutes to play. So I have Gaffney at four. T.L. Hannah at five. The most impressive mark, probably the most impressive victory in the state Friday was T.L. Hannah's win over Hillcrest. Hillcrest was coming for revenge, and T.L. Hanna had none of it. Those guys, uh, that was a super close game, 36-33, T.L. Hanna over Hillcrest. So I have T.L. Hanna at five. Belton Honeypath, again, speaking of 3A, it's stacked, if I haven't said that yet. BHP, I had those guys at six. They were five last week. Abbeville at seven. Westside at eight. They moved up one spot from last week. Hillcrest did drop from two to nine because of the loss to Hanna. Listen, Hillcrest is still a really good team. They're still going to be playing uh, for a couple of weeks in the playoffs up in 5A, but uh, they had a drop because of their loss. And then at 10, I have Broom and Southside Christian tied at 10. So I'll go from 10 now to 1. Broom and Southside Christian tied at 10. Hillcrest at 9. Westside at 8. Abbeville at 7. Belton Honeypath at 6. T.L. Hanna at 5. Gaffney at 4. Burns at 3. Chapman at 2. And the Daniel Lions once again on top of the mountain at one, Mark. Uh, I'm looking at this top 10 poll, Cole, of yours, and it feels like you really penalized Hillcrest for losing to a close game to a very yeah. good team. They go from two to nine. So, like, so like, why, why are you drinking the haterade all of a sudden, Cole? Well, I knew you were going to say that, Mark, because it is a significant drop. Yeah. However, yeah. it is. However, the, the closeness, if that's a, a proper word, uh, between all of those schools, Mark, between how good Chapman, Burns, 
Gaffney, Town, BHP, Abbeville, and Westside, and Hillcrest, I think those schools are all a play away as far as talent goes. Those are Think about it. Those are the 10 best schools in the upstate. And, and the upstate is full of talent. There are schools that are really good that aren't on this list. Some people would say, why is Broome all the way at 10 from this incredible season that they're having? While I do, Mark, look at wins and losses, I also have to use the eye test and, you know, look at talent versus talent as well uh, and, and, you know, see who's the better team in my opinion. Hillcrest, are they the ninth best team? Maybe, but on any given Friday, they could be the third best team. But you know what? It's hard to put them above Burns and Gaffney uh, right now, and especially a team like BHP that has not lost this season. Cole Bryson, he is our high school football guy. We will have him again on on Friday to preview all of the week's games. This is a fascinating season. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm just more into it now, Cole, or um, it, but it just seems like there are so many really good competitive teams, uh, really good competitive teams uh, in this in this region, in this area, and uh, we're going to get to see it all play out the way that it should. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for all you do, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. Up next on the show, Diesel and I will hit you with the four teams that ultimately will be in the college football playoff. It's Mark and Diesel's CFP4, and it's next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark, Ryan, and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate. It's Offsides. Mark, Ryan, and Diesel, we are the Fan Upstate. Rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Truly do appreciate having you guys with us. Okay, every Monday at this time, we do a little ditty called the CFP4. Who are the four teams, when all is said and done, that are going to make the college football playoff? And here we go. You know, I, I don't know why Michigan is not getting the respect they deserve, but they just keep flat rolling people every single week, and it's like it's getting worse. You might not notice them now, but you're going to notice them at some point, Okay. Now, what if I told you that the last three games, Michigan has outscored its opposition 139-24. to The last three games, they played Minnesota, Nebraska, and Indiana. Okay, these are not bad programs, bad teams. They're kind of middle of the pack in the, in the Big Ten, and Michigan is rolling them. I'll go Georgia number two. I now cannot be convinced that Georgia is doing anything other than sleepwalking through the season. Vanderbilt is hanging around with him. So wait a minute. They get up for Kentucky. Kentucky gets rolled. They're not up for South Carolina. South Carolina's competitive. They're not up for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's competitive. They'll be up for my Gators. My Gators will get rolled again. Um, you know, when you when you rely on flipping a switch, you risk having the Atlanta Braves happen to you. Seriously. You don't want the Atlanta Braves happen to you, do you, Georgia? They're right down the road from you. They had to flip a switch. It didn't work. I'm going to go Washington number three. You heard Washington number three on my list last week. I picked them to beat Oregon. They did. What a game. Instant classic. But my prevailing emotion was just sadness that the Pac-12 right now is better than it's ever been, and this is its last stand. And number four for me, I'm going to go Oklahoma. So you're saying, well, Mark, you're saying these are the teams that are going to make the college football playoff. Where's Florida State? Yeah. 
Like, I, I, I just I don't have those teams losing right now. Who is Michigan losing to? They play at Penn State. You got Michigan losing that one? I don't. Georgia, what game is Georgia losing? Does Alabama look legit enough to take out the Bulldogs? No? Threatening enough? I don't either. Uh, Washington and Oklahoma are a bit more murky, and Florida State will be waiting there in the wings. But right now, I got Florida State on the outside looking in. Diesel, who are your playoff four? Uh, I've got Michigan in as number one. Michigan, you're right, is just absolutely rolling people. And now they have a showdown uh, in a couple of weeks against Penn State. We'll see what happens in that game. Um, But I think they're just head and shoulders above a lot of other football teams. Georgia is right there as my my number two. And really, they're they're basically 1A and 1B. They're both just absolutely excellent football teams. I've got Florida State as number three and Washington as number four. Penn State has the ability to make a statement in the next couple of weeks. They play at Ohio State this coming week, noon kickoff. Penn State has the ability to beat Ohio State and jump. Ohio State currently sitting at number three in the AP poll. Penn State has the ability to jump probably Oklahoma and, of course, at least Ohio State with the head-to-head win uh, in this next week. This is when it gets really fun, man. There's a lot of movement over the next couple of weeks because some of these good teams are finally going to face off head-to-head, and we're going to see what they really have. But I've got Michigan 1, Georgia 2, Florida State 3, Washington 4, and Penn State as a very close number 5. Yeah, where's Oklahoma? Yeah, Oklahoma would be my number 6. Yeah, I mean, what are they? They're not <laughs> impressing you. No. They're not impressing you, and I don't know why. You know, I'm, what, I'm Shania Twain, and they don't impress me much. Yeah, no, they don't. No, I, I don't. I, I don't exactly get what they need to do. He's like, "Don't worry, Penn State. I got you number five. Don't worry about Penn State. What about Oklahoma? All they did was beat Texas, right?" So anyway, folks, who are your college football playoff four? Let us know. We'd love to hear who are the four teams that you feel today are most likely to make the college football playoff. Let us know. We want to know what you're thinking. Tell me what's on your mind. Mark, we're going to get to this when we come back. I, I called and had a conversation with Ooh. my cousin who is a network camera operator, and we'll discuss what he had to say about Flickergate next on the show. All right, that's the 6 o'clock hour. This is Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the Fan Upstate. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.